Welcome to the Happy Menopause Podcast with me, Jackie Lynch, registered nutritional therapist and founder of the Well, Well, Well Nutrition Clinic, where I specialize in women's health and the menopause. There are so many ways that diet and lifestyle can help to relieve a whole range of menopause symptoms. And my new book, The Happy Menopause, Smart Nutrition to Help You Flourish, is packed with practical nutrition advice to support you through this transition. It's out now and available to order in all the usual places. Join me and my expert guests on a journey through midlife in this podcast and find out how you can have a healthy and happy menopause. Every woman deserves to have a happy menopause. Regular listeners will know how important that is to me, and that's the entire inspiration behind this podcast. But today we're going to go a little broader and talk about not just having a happy menopause, but how to have a magnificent midlife. This time in a woman's life can be truly transformational, as the hormones that have driven your decisions, your approach to life and your emotions since puberty start to subside. And there's headspace for you to focus on yourself and what you want to do with the rest of your life. Today's guest is just the woman to help us with this, because she's the founder of the Magnificent Midlife Movement, which is all about celebrating and empowering women who are over 40. And we could all do with a bit of that. But first, I'd like to give a quick shout out to my sponsor, Emma Pell, who make it possible for me to produce this podcast. Many women notice that their skin becomes drier, less firm or more wrinkly as they transition through the menopause. And this is due to the decline in estrogen, which affects collagen levels. So here's where Emma Pell can help with revolutionary skincare products that target the root cause of menopausal skin aging by encouraging the skin to act as if the estrogen was still there. The technology awakens the skin's messaging system so that the cells work more effectively and behave like younger skin cells. Emmapel's gorgeous serum and night cream are also packed with skin-friendly ingredients to make a tangible difference to the health and appearance of your skin. Believe me, a little Emmapel goes a long way. You can get 20% off if you use the promotional code HAPPY20 at Emmapel, E-M-E, pelle.co.uk. And so on to today's episode. I'm delighted to be speaking to Rachel Lancaster, who's on a mission to disrupt negative ageist and sexist stereotypes about older women, menopause and ageing. Founder of Magnificent Midlife and host of an inspiring podcast of the same name, she's passionate about changing how society perceives women in midlife and beyond and also how we view ourselves. She's full of practical advice on how we can build up our confidence and transform ourselves and our lives so that we can truly make the most of our 40s, 50s and beyond. So let's hear what she's got to say. Welcome to the Happy Menopause, Rachel. It's lovely to be here, Jackie. Thank you so much. Well, I'm thrilled that you're here and I know we've got lots of really exciting things to talk about. But before we move on to all your interesting projects, I'd like you to tell us your story, first of all. You know, what's your background and how did it lead to where you are now? Oh gosh, it's a bit of a long story, but I'll try and keep it short. So I've had various careers. I was a banker once. (laughs) That was a mistake. And then I moved into financial communications and I worked all over the world. Eventually, I moved in-house. So I was working for a big FTSE 100 company doing their corporate communications. And then I sort of thought, I don't really want to do this anymore. So I went freelance 
And as soon as I went freelance, I got hit by early menopause. And that completely changed the trajectory of what I wanted to do with my life. Oh, gosh. So, so how old were yeah. you then? I was 41. Yeah. Right. So really came out of the blue then? Totally out of the blue. And the only reason I found out was because I had a hormone test to check whether my fertility was all right because I wanted to try for another child with my new man. So that was why I had a hormone test, which now would not be recommended. And I think the diagnosis was actually completely wrong. I think it was just that on one particular day, my hormones showed up as being those of a postmenopausal woman. And on another day, it would have been completely different. Oh, well, that's the joys of the perimenopause, isn't it? Which, of course, is why those hormone tests aren't necessarily recommended, because it's just a snapshot. Exactly. So I think it was actually wrong. But then that was 14 years ago. And well, I found out that the knowledge amongst doctors isn't that much better now, but it certainly wasn't good then. And I was just basically told that I'd gone through menopause. I was given a prescription for HRT, the the horse urine version, Primarin, and sent on my way. And uh, it was a devastating blow, actually. It was a really devastating blow. I'm sure it was. I mean, how did you cope with that? Because you were in a completely different, different trajectory at that point. I know. What I discovered is what you do, is nutrition. So I went to see a nutritionist having first of all sort of found the daisy network which supports women who've gone through early menopause yes so i went to see a nutritionist who put me on a diet and told me to cut out alcohol caffeine sugar eat regularly so i could balance my blood sugar levels oh yes (laughs) and within five weeks of doing that i had a bleed wow so I'd gone from being definitively postmenopausal to having a bleed. So then I went back to the doctor, had another hormone test, and the doctor said, "Oh, you're absolutely fine." So, oh my goodness, the I emotional know. roller coaster that must it have been for you. It was. So then we went back to trying for a baby. It didn't last. So after about nine months, my body went back to what it wanted to do in terms of going back towards menopause. But I will never know whether that's because I didn't maintain the healthy diet that I started Mm. or whether there was more stress in my life and therefore, you know, it kicked me back into menopause. I'll never really know that. But that was what taught me so much about the level of control that we have over our menopause experience and why I therefore wanted to communicate this to women. Because as you know, women just don't know this. We, they, we don't have this kind of information, do we, about what, what the impact of a healthy diet and lifestyle can be. So then, yeah, I branched out into doing what I do now. Oh, that's so fascinating. And you're absolutely right. I think what we don't realise is that we have it in our hands to make an enormous influence on what's going on with us and our hormones. It isn't necessarily the whole picture. That will depend from woman to woman. But it can make a huge difference in so many ways. And really interesting to see that sort of reversal that was going on there. And I do wonder to what degree you know, stress was playing a big part because you know, you know how I'm always banging on about stress. <laughs> and I think that it's such a big player in menopause symptoms that that was probably a bit part of what might have been going on with you at that stage. 
I think it was absolutely what was going on because I had lived a very stressful life. I had been responsible financially for a family. Then I'd become a single parent. Then I'd met a new partner, which is lovely, but is also still a stress on the body, you know, to go through you know, fall in love again. It's still a stress on the body. I also moved continents several times <laughs> during this period. And I had, you know, I was living and doing a very high power job. Mm. And it was like when you go on holiday and you get sick. I went freelance and suddenly everything was a little bit more relaxed. Although at the same time, I still had to find the clients to keep myself going. It was the first time I'd not had a job from choice in my life. Yes, that's quite um, a sea change. Suddenly not having the salary at the end of the month, the holiday pay, the sick pay. It's a very different world. But then early menopause just, just came along. So I'm, I'm convinced it was mainly stress mm. um, that, that brought it on in the first instance. Interesting. So that, I suppose, was the big catalyst for you creating the the magnificent midlife brand, which is such a wonderfully positive name. Now, was it something you already had in mind or, or was it really that catalyst? It was definitely the catalyst, but it didn't start out as magnificent midlife. Now, what I originally had and still have, actually, is I have an online magazine called The Mutton Club. Oh. <laughs> and I wanted to inspire and empower women to feel that there was absolutely nothing wrong with being mutton and that actually we could aspire to be mutton. I wanted to change all those negative connotations about mutton on their head. So you had to be mutton to get in the club kind of thing. Oh, and the magazine so we could be lamb dressed as mutton rather than mutton dressed as lamb. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that still exists. But what I discovered as I started to build it out and to try and get more services um, as part of under that umbrella is that people didn't understand it. So my audience is very, very global. But if you take me outside the UK, people think it's a, a cookery club. Right. And in the UK, there are still a lot of women who have a real sort of, it's a Marmite effect, really. They, are, they just hate the word mutton, don't want to be in any way associated with it. So while I kept the magazine because it's feisty and it's a bit sort of in your face, so I like that, the rest of the business I created as under Magnificent Midlife. So I had to change. I had to pivot. Um, I had to transform it because it just wasn't really working as what I wanted it to be. Mm, well, it's all about reacting to what the needs are. So I think that sounds really sensible. But so where were you in the stage of your menopause journey at that point then? Had you gone up and down through this path already? Was it a lot later than that? When did all this come about? So it was in my mid-40s. So right. I sort of floundered around a bit, not really sure what I was going to do or how I was going to do it. And eventually I got so fed up with the negative narratives about menopause and about midlife. And I started to analyse the way that I had responded to the early menopause diagnosis because I realised I was being ageist against myself because at 41, of course, I was in midlife. But I didn't see myself like that. And, and I saw myself, it was awful. I had this vision in my head. I came out of the doctor's office of this shriveled up old prune sitting in the corner. And that was the end of meaningful life. And eventually I realized that this was absolutely ridiculous. But I'd been taught to believe this. And so many women have been taught to believe this. And I decided that I just wanted to do something about this and stop it. 
basically. <laughs> I wanted to change it all and make women realize that, you know, menopause is just another transition in life. It can be an incredibly empowering time in our lives. And that far from life being over, midlife is a whole new, brand new beginning. Yes, I absolutely agree. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I've, I see it very much as a door opening to something new, a world of, of new possibilities rather than uh, a door closing and you thinking, well, that's the end of it. And I think we have to work hard, actually, first of all, on ourselves. And it's really interesting that you say that, that you are ageist against yourself. But there is just this sense, you know, women do become, I think, like it or not, quite invisible as we age. And it's absolutely infuriating because we've got so much to offer. But I have a theory that sometimes we make ourselves invisible um, mm. because we retire, because we accept those narratives that we are less valuable now. We get intimidated by the younger women around us in the workplace. We don't put ourselves forward because we have somehow bought in to the idea that we are less valuable as we age, that we are less relevant. And I think we can contribute to that sense of invisibility. Um, whereas if we put ourselves forward, you know, I mean, you know, I'm often to be seen in red and I've really discovered red as I've gone through midlife and it's now my brand colour and I love it. But nobody is going to think I'm invisible if I'm dressed in red. Now, I'm not going to say everybody's got to go and dress in red, but Things like that can change how we feel about ourselves and also posture. You know, we, we could be shy and retiring and sort of taking up a little bit of space or we can be standing there like superwoman and saying, hello, nobody's going to ignore me. So I think there are things we can do to change how invisible we are within society. There's no doubt that we are not given... Um, attention's not quite the right word, but we're, we're not acknowledged as we should be as older women. And part of my work is to try and change that. But I think we can contribute to that. Mm. So we have a responsibility too. And I, I just have to say that I sat up a lot straighter when you said that and <laughs> put my shoulders back. So I hope everyone listening is doing something similar to just you take up some space and show take that you're there. Space. Absolutely. <laughs> take up space. Yeah. yeah. So you've mentioned, of course, that you've done a lot of traveling and, and lived in other continents and so on. So do you think this is a global issue in relation to women in midlife or is it different for different cultures? I think it is a global issue, but I know that it is certainly different in other cultures. So I spent a lot of time in China in my youth and it's changing now because they are adopting more Western ideas. But older people and older women specifically have much more status as they get older. It's the same in Japan and Korea, East Asia in particular, women have they don't lose status as they age. It's, their status is different. It doesn't, it, they don't lose it. And Indian culture, they don't lose the status either. So I think that we have a real problem in the West because we are so focused on youth. And actually, um, I'm writing a book at the moment and finalizing it. And part of the research in my book, I've actually found that the, the most acute sense of ageism, particularly towards women, is found in Protestant countries. So if you look at European countries that are Catholic, so uh, or Catholic or Orthodox, like France or Greece or Spain or Portugal, places like that, 
the women have more status than they do in Anglo-Saxon Protestant countries like the UK, Australia, America, which is where I think we have particular issues with ageism and particular issues with ageism against women. And what I find absolutely fascinating is not only does how we feel about aging affect how we age, but how we feel about menopause can directly impact how we physically experience menopause as well. Hmm, interesting. So I suppose in a lot of those countries, there's much more of a sense of, of the matriarch um, yes. compared to, to what perhaps we have in, in sort of more Anglo-Saxon countries. And I think it's incredibly interesting because, of course, you, you see that in the wider media, don't you? You suddenly see that women who've been um, sort of on television for a long time suddenly get wheeled out and a new model, a younger model is is brought in for them. And it's incredibly frustrating because I, I think one of the challenges we then feel as, as the audience is that we're no longer reflected. Uh, you can't see yourself anymore on there. And that, again, can sort of um, add to this sense of, of feeling invisible. So I'm very interested in what you've got to say about us taking our own responsibility for that as well and, and pushing that. I think it's important. I think we have to fight for it. I really do. I think, you know, the more of us can actually contribute, say, pass a comment on social media or or write an email to an organization. For example, um, on uh, panels now, they've, they've tried to make a difference where you've got a panel of speakers and you've got five or six men and no women. Well, now we need to move from the panel, not just being men and women, but also to have age diversity as well. So I think, yeah, we have to push ourselves forward because you've still got the classic thing, haven't you, where you've got the older man and you've got the woman, whether it's in a film or a drama, and she's 20 years younger than he is. But it's also on on the telly, isn't it? It's on, you know, interview programs, where, as you say, you've got the older man, but you've got the much younger woman. So I think it is changing, but it's very slow. It is very slow. Yeah. And I think you only have to look at the, the level of abuse that someone like Professor Mary Beard gets. She's a, a classics professor who's uh, featured on television a lot with her documentaries. And she takes no prisoners. She has long grey hair. She doesn't wear makeup. And she's attracted a lot of negative comment as a result. And I really admire her for standing up and saying, well, why should I? Why should I dye my hair? Why should I put makeup on if I don't want to? Why can't I just look the way I do? And I think that kind of attitude is really important. It's so important. And we should be able to age. We shouldn't feel that we have to cover up the signs of aging. Men don't. Men don't feel they have to. They may choose to, but they don't feel they have to. You know, you've got silver foxes. You don't have silver vixens, really, do you? <laughs> Not so much, no. Not so much, no. But, um, yeah, we, we should be allowed to age. But it, it comes back to this worship of youth and this idea that, you know, as we show our age, we become less valuable. So all of that has to change. Mm. So let's come back to Magnificent Midlife then, the, the wider brand. Um, what is it and how do you help women change the perceptions around themselves? Because we want midlife to become a, a real a moment of transformation. So is that what you're trying to do with, with Magnificent Midlife? And if so, how are you doing that? Absolutely. So I do one-to-one um, -one mentoring. Um, I do group mentoring. I have various resources on my website, magnificentmidlife.com. Um, and yes, I want it to literally be magnificent. I want women to realize they are magnificent. 
um, and that we get more magnificent the older we get, not less. You know, it's it's it really is a journey, but we just get better with age, not not worse. It's not a decline. <laughs> Yeah, but I think, you know, you're, you come across as someone who, who's had that journey perhaps earlier than some women do, and perhaps you are more naturally confident. How do women sort of take that on board? I mean, what are the main roadblocks, do you think, to, to them being truly transformed? It's interesting you say I seem more confident because I wasn't. You know, when I had the early menopause, it really knocked me for sick. So it's something that I've had to learn. And I think there's many things that I've learned. But one of them is that if we think in terms of possibility and possibility in terms of ideas and possibility in terms of what we can and cannot do, and we try and get rid of those preconceptions about what we're supposed to be or how we're supposed to look or what we're supposed to wear or what colour our hair is supposed to be, if we can do away with all of that and start out with a clean slate, because just because we think something doesn't make it true. And we can actually create our own reality inside our heads just by changing our thoughts. And I think that is incredibly powerful. And I have only literally in the last 10 years learned that, that just because I think something doesn't make it true. It's so simple. And yet I think we tend to forget these things. So I think with people, with women who are, you know, not feeling confident, then to try and strip it away as to why they're not feeling confident and to start catching their thoughts because often we are our own worst enemy. And as somebody called uh, Ashton Applewhite that I'm forever quoting, she wrote a book called This Chair Rocks and she has done a TED talk on Let's End Ageism and she's spoken at the United Nations. She's incredible. But she says ageism begins between our ears and it really does. And that's what I realized when I was being ageist towards myself and seeing myself as a shriveled up old prune. It's like, no, that's a load of rubbish, Rachel, get a grip, you know, on your thinking and stop those thoughts and think about potential and think about possibility and what is possible. The other thing I like to say is that if you imagine what you achieved between 20 and 50, that's 30 years, for most of us, we probably did quite a lot. Well, if you think of average life expectancy in the West is 81 for women and average age of menopause is 51. So if we look at 50 to 80, that's another 30 years. So what are we going to do? Sit back and be irrelevant or are we going to, you know, think about possibility for making a really magnificent next chapter? So that's that's what I'm all about is helping women discover the possibilities for them. Amazing. No, that's very inspiring. I think I think there's a lot to be said for that. I think we need to recalibrate our brain and the way we think about ourselves, first of all. But how do you support women who are in a context, perhaps, where they're surrounded by people who are chipping away at their confidence? Because even if you're working hard yourself to put your shoulders back and take up that space, as we've just described, sometimes the people around you and often they're well-meaning and they don't realise the impact they're having. It isn't necessarily that they set out to be mean. But how do you manage that? What advice would you give to that? Well, I think midlife is a good time of life to clear the decks of everything. And actually, if I'm being brutally honest, if the people around you are pulling you down, then be kind, be gentle, but find your tribe that's going to inspire and empower you. 
So you don't want to be the crab in the bucket because you have crabs in a bucket and one crab is trying to get out and all the other crabs are pulling that crab back down again. Um, and I think women, we can tend to do that. We can, we're frightened of change. We don't want to see somebody else going off and doing something else because it can cause conflict for ourselves. It can challenge us in terms of what we might want to do. So I would think that midlife, it's a, it's a really good time to sort of clear the decks, think about everything that you want. And if that means finding new friends, then maybe that's what you need to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. doesn't mean you're going to give up on your old friends, but maybe you find other friends who have a similar mindset to you and are going to push you forward rather than pulling you back. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think for for women in particular, your friendship group is so important. And I am super fussy about my friends and I have some wonderful friends. And But I, I feel also that I have nurtured that over the years and been really picky about who who are in my close circle. And that's made all the difference so that when I have difficult times, I know I've got some amazing people I can turn to, not just who'll support me, but who'll make me laugh and who'll really pick me up. And I think that's what that's what we need. And we need to be really, really um, focused on that. I think it's terribly important. A lot of my friends haven't got a clue what I'm doing. They don't really understand what I do. <laughs> so I have cultivated some new friends who work in online businesses, podcasters, you know, like me and you. So I found new people who are more in line with who I am now in life because we change. We do change. We're not the same people necessarily as we've always been. And it's about growth, I think, really. And we yeah. our relationships can grow as much as we can grow. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's dead right. Now, I want to move on to talk about your lovely podcast, which is also called Magnificent Midlife. A bit of a fangirl moment for me when I was invited on there to talk about my book. So thank you again for having me. And one of the reasons I was so blown away by it is that you have some really inspirational women on there. So it really is practicing what you preach about getting those great role models out there. You talk to women who've sailed solo around the world in their yacht. You you spoke to a woman who survived a Somali desert kidnapping. Yeah. I mean, amazing stuff. And I say to you all, go and have a listen because some fabulous, fabulous women out there. Mm. But how do you go about finding them and persuading them to come on board? Some of them come to me, which is lovely. And some of them I just come across, usually on social media. And I just think, oh, she sounds interesting and she's got a good angle for my listeners or it's something that I haven't covered before on the podcast. And I just reach out to them and I'd say nine times out of 10, they say, oh yes, I'll, I'd like to do that. I was amazed that, for example, Mari Smith, who is a really big social media Facebook kind of guru in America, I just reached out to her and said, do you fancy being on the podcast? And it turned out she's exactly the same age as me. And she said, Oh, yes. And she's normally sharing stages with, you know, the Dalai Lama and Richard Branson and people like that. And then she came on my podcast and I thought, yeah, brilliant. And Jessica Buchanan, who's the Somali desert survivor. Again, um, I literally sent her a message on Instagram. I said, I think you're probably too young, but I'd love to have you on my podcast. She said, no, I'm not too young. I'd love to be on your podcast. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. 
So you've got all these brilliantly inspirational women just showing us all how we can be magnificent in our midlife. Yeah. And so, but they're not all, they're not all like amazing, well-known women. There's also some regular women because what I want to show is that we, we can all do great things and whether that's doing something small that suits us that can be just as magnificent as something big, you know. So I always talk about purpose. It can be purpose with a big P or purpose with a small P. It's about what works for each of us individually. So, you know, I have women on there who inspire me greatly, but who perhaps haven't done massively exciting things. They just have a really wonderful message. Do you know, that speaks very much to Jo Mosley, who I think we've both interviewed, in yes. fact, um, the wonderful woman who did the Coast to Coast Challenge with her uh, stand-up paddleboard. And she talks about having mini adventures. And that mm. was how she got into making her midlife and her menopause much more manageable, having those wonderful small adventures, which then turned into something much bigger. But I think she's very encouraging in that respect, making you understand that you don't have to go and you know do the Somali desert kidnapping just to be. <laughs> Amazing. In fact, we'd all rather you didn't, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> but that you can you can do in your own small life, you can have these amazing adventures and do these small things that can make a big difference to you. Mm. So what have you learned about yourself, would you say, as you've built your brand? I think I've definitely learned that I can do anything. I can learn anything. I think that's what I'm always trying to put across to women. In today's world, you can literally learn how to do anything online. There are videos for everything, you know. So I've taught myself, you know, to record podcasts. And with a bit of help, I've taught myself how to even edit podcasts. And I can edit videos. And I built three websites in the year I was 49, you know. So you might think, yes, I'm techie, but I'm interested. And I like to work these things out. Um, so I think I've learned that it's it's possible to learn anything. And also, you know, I am a huge introvert, huge, huge introvert. I'm currently talking to you from my little garden office, and this is where I'm happiest. But I can get on camera and I can talk on camera or I can talk on microphone on my podcast. So one-to-one, -one, I'm fine. One-to-a-group-of-people in you know a cocktail party and I'd be the wallflower oh but I know I know exactly what all, you mean we can all do what works for us you know so and I think yes I've learned to make the most of who I am rather than trying to be somebody I'm not actually that I've definitely learned that should be more authentically me yeah I think that's a great way to be and do you practice what you preach or do you still have the odd blip I try to. I have lots of blips. <laughs> um, I said recently on, oh, yeah, I was on Authority magazine. I said I take a pill for imposter syndrome every single morning, you know, because it hits all of us. You know, yeah. we wouldn't be human if it didn't, I don't think. But I think the thing is, you know, what is that? Um, you know, courage isn't the absence of fear. It, it's feeling the fear and, and just pushing through and doing it anyway. You yeah. Know? yeah. So, uh, yeah, I definitely have blips, but I try to practice what I preach. Yeah. So, but I have radically improved my diet, my lifestyle since all of this first kicked off and happened to me. So I live very differently now and I'm much happier as a result. 
Mm, mm, brilliant stuff. So what are you working on at the moment? Uh, any new projects? I mean, you hinted earlier, there's a little, little teaser there about a book. So what's all that about? Yes, I'm finalising my book, um, which is very exciting. It's taken me forever to write because I am the queen of procrastination. And it <laughs> takes ages to write a book anyway, let's face it. <laughs> so what's it about? Oh, it's about your magnificent midlife. So it's exactly how to how to transform your middle years, menopause and beyond. That's exactly what it's about. So it's everything I've learned, basically. Yeah. Brilliant. So any ideas when we might be seeing that? I'm hoping it'll be in the autumn this year. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. So I'm full, full speed ahead. I haven't got a cover design yet, so I've got to get that sorted. But um, I'm waiting for my copy edits back. And I'm self-publishing. So, uh, yeah, the timeline is mine. <laughs> a manual of transformation. That's what we want. That's fantastic. Yeah. So yeah. tell me this. Where can people find you if they want to find out more about you, the podcast, the new book, and Magnificent Midlife in general? Well, it's all on magnificentmidlife.com. All the resources are there. The podcast, the magazine is themuttonclub.com. So that's a lot of fun as well. But mostly it's Magnificent Midlife. And on all the social platforms, I'm Magnificent Midlife. You'll be able to find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Brilliant. Well, that's nice and easy, but I will nevertheless put links to all of that in the show notes on the podcast page of my website so everyone can find you nice and easily. So before we wrap up, Rachel, so many words of wisdom there, and I'm going to ask you to distill it down. So from all the things you've learned, you know, from your own experience, from the clients that you work with and mentor, what would your top two tips be for women to have that magnificent midlife and beyond? I think going back to that, we're never too old and it's never too late. But if we want to do something with our lives, we need to get on with it rather than faff about I don't I think when you get to midlife you can't you can't faff about too much longer <laughs> you gotta go you know get on with it and change only comes by making changes so mm. you've got to even if it's just putting one step in front of the next just make one small change every day and after 365 days you've made a lot of change yeah and then I think midlife is a time when we actually can redress any harm that we've done to ourselves in the past, whether that's diet or lifestyle, exercise, how we manage stress, unresolved issues, etc., etc. So I think midlife is a, is a great time to take the time um, to recalibrate, reconnect, re-energize and sort some of the messy stuff out because it is sometimes a bit messy, but to actually try and take the time to sort that out so that we can then go off into the magnificent midlife and beyond. Marvellous. Real words of wisdom. Rachel, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's been a delight. And so there you have it. I hope you're feeling properly inspired to work on your own transformation now. Because as Rachel says in her Magnificent Midlife podcast intro, we're not over the hill at 40, 50, 60. We're just getting started. If you'd like to find out more about Rachel, her mentoring programs and her podcast, you can visit the show notes on the podcast page of my website, well-well-well.co.uk, where I've put all the relevant links. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you listen on. And make sure you tell all your friends. 
It makes a huge difference to the visibility of the podcast and really helps to spread the word because every woman deserves to have a happy menopause. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.